To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach, combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome to another episode of The Hidden Gateway Podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Williams. Today's guest is Lisa Broderick. Lisa is an accomplished senior executive whose career has been defined by understanding how technology impacts society and changes behavior. Her approach of integrating science with metaphysics helps others create lives of presence and purpose. Lisa received her undergrad from Stanford and her MBA from Duke. She also attended the Monroe Institute for exploration of expanded states of consciousness and studied imagery and dream reading at the American Institute for mental imagery for 15 years with noted author and teacher of Western spirituality, Dr. Gerald Epstein. Lisa's passion is helping others with little or no scientific or spiritual training master their innate abilities with practices designed to improve their lives, their relationships, and the world. And today we would be discussing her soon to be released book, All the Time in the World. Lisa Broderick, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How are you today? I'm fine. Justin, thank you so much for having me. This is a real honor. All right. All right. You know, I, I have a feeling that my little intro there did not do you justice. If you don't mind, if you could just take a few minutes and tell our listeners a bit about yourself and how you came to where you are with writing this book and everything you've been involved with for the uh, past several years here. Well, I appreciate that. And everybody, our stories are so important, right, to knowing who we are and also the, the tradition of stories in, in, uh, in society and humanity over time. And so the story is I was a little girl and full of life and I, was, uh, I grew up in Arizona and um, I had an experience very early on, which I talk about in the book, which is a death experience. Some would call it a near-death experience, but it really changed me. And at the age of four, I fell through a plate glass window and was impaled in a country cabin far away from medical care. And I lived. With that said, I did have a classic uh, out-of-body experience, near-death experience, where I saw much of it happening at the time. And when I came back, I, I was a little bit different. Now, I might have been changed anyway, and who knows about memories, right? They go You go right. back and things form and change over time. But everything was alive, and everything was so real to me. And I learned something about myself. And that is I had sort of an, a special experience or an understanding of time. Time didn't pass as normal. And then again, may have been typical for other four-year-olds, but I thought it was a superpower. So I started practicing doing it, like slowing down the field. We now know athletes can do that. Well, as a little girl, I was having experiences like that called a flow state, right? We now know all about the flow state, but I was using it in track and field. You know, six, seven, eight years old. I was using it in bowling. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Which okay. I wasn't very good at, but got a little better at when I could do all these other things. And so later on, I became a meditator, you know, and so many listeners, I'm sure, on the Hidden Gateway are interested in meditation and metaphysics and the things we do with our minds. And mm-hmm. I realized there's a timelessness to meditation. Time is controlling our lives, but we don't understand anything about it. I wanted to understand more and I started to do research, which ultimately led me to write the book all the time in the world. Beautiful. Excellent. 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 So you had this near death experience at four years old. So at a very, very young age, you came to the realization that this reality that we live in is not all there is. Right. There is there's something more. And uh, it, it sounds like even though you were young, you were able to process that and then apply that to your life 
in a positive way to benefit you. I know you talked about sports. One thing that really stood out to me is, is when you when you did say that athletes know how to use that. Now, I'm 43. I'm no athlete, but I was in high school and I was pretty good at <laughs> I was pretty good at football. And I know what you mean. I, you know, when when I was, uh, you know, in games or practicing, it was as, as if everything would just slow down. And I would, was able to see things before they would happen. It was unreal, unreal. So I take that maybe that's what you are referring to there, huh? It is what I'm referring to. And if so, that's true. And athletes are doing it more today. And it's akin to the flow state, again, which is a brainwave state where, where it's a self-surpassing feeling of, um, of unity, of oneness, of slowed down time in many instances. What if we can trigger that on demand? Athletes are being trained for it right now, for sure which is allowing them to go to even greater heights and, and play ball with even greater skill. But what if we as regular people could do that? If I can do it as a little girl and figure out how, and you were doing it in football, what if we can use our minds to do that? And there are ways, there are techniques and there's science which supports it, which suggests that those episodes of slow down time are not just in our heads. Science would say, if it's in your head, it's not real. Well, yeah. I have a different story to tell. If it's in my head, it actually is real for these episodes of time. Because as you said, Justin, you're on the field. If you're doing things to play the game better, if you're imagining it, why are you actually playing better? Right? right. How can right, you right. play better if it's just in your mind? All of the stories, I have, I have story after story in the book of slowed down time, people in danger, people in other experiences. What if when that's happening to them, it's truly happening and it's not just in their heads, and as is described in so many of the experiences that I've chronicled and included in the book, they're actually using it to save their own lives. Now, if it wasn't real, they wouldn't be saving their own lives. They wouldn't be moving out of the way of the steering column or driving around the car that's spinning out of control, or in one story, getting out of the way of the bullets in a gunfight. <laughs> there right. was something more to it. Now, yeah. if we can learn how to do that with our lives. We can lead lives of, of greater fulfillment lead our best possible lives, which is really what I want for everyone. Excellent. Excellent. And in the book, you talk about uh, stretch time. Is that kind of on the same same thing as you're discussing now? What, what exactly does that mean? It is. So stretching time, imagine that you could, that you have something to do, which, which you might believe is so uh, time consuming that you don't have enough time to do it, right? How, how many times have we used the word time just in the last sentence? It's right. so much a part of our life. What if there's a technique to stretch out that time so you actually can do all the things you want to do? And in the book, I have guided meditations. And on my website, lisabroderick.com, there are guided meditations, things to take you through to practice doing this for yourself. Because the, the secret of the book, what I really wanted to convey is science supports the fact that time is not what we think. Time is something different than what we think. It is not an arrow forever going forward that we can't manipulate, we can't control, we can't change the arc of the arrow. It's something else and we can do it with our minds. Also our experience of time, we very often have these slowed down experiences of time, yet we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and go on like nothing happened. Well, we don't have to do that. For our own lives, we can use practices which are akin to meditation. And you mentioned the Monroe Institute, right? The yes. many brain institutes around the country who are studying exactly these phenomena, these experiences to apply them in a practical sense for our own lives. Access the brainwave state that lets us to experience slow down time. That's what the book is about. That is what the book is about. All right. Can you, Lisa, go into depth um, regarding um, how you feel um, about the vibe of your experiences with Gate Gateway? Um, specifically, well, I guess my first question is, when did you first learn and, and start studying or, or doing the, the gateway experience? Well, I wouldn't say it was so much the gateway experience. And that is okay. when I, I had the experience at four, which was this uh, essentially the state of flow, this, this astral projection, this out of body near death experience, which I remember vividly to this day. Mm -hmm. And then I grew up and I went about my life, but I did notice that I had a special relationship with time. So I started to develop that and in my twenties. I became a meditator, a TM meditator. And it changed my life in this way. It allowed me to slow down and focus myself during these meditations. And I felt like it was changing my brain. Also, 
the relationship and the explanation of time in ancient spiritual traditions is much different than in the West. Mm. There really is only the now in all of these ancient spiritual traditions. Everything else is a memory or a projection. So in India, for these meditations, I was going, I was dropping into myself in the gateway experience. I was meditating in a way that was very deep and transformative, but I was also noticing my relationship to time was changing. And then I did that for many decades. I've been meditating over 30 years now, and then started to experiment with other ways, going to brain institutes like the Monroe Institute, and then also the BioCybernaut Institute in Sedona, Arizona, mm -hmm. where you can study your brainwave states with electrodes on your head to measure the brainwave states you're experiencing when you're thinking or doing certain things. It's enormously valuable. It's a lot like the Monroe Institute in terms of the feedback you get for the experiences you're having. And Justin, once you know that you can do inkling, like the camel's nose is under the tent, and you're like, wow, I have, I have a lot more to say about this. Maybe how I'm showing up in my life, in my mind is affecting reality. Then we become emboldened. Then we start using even more practices and taking it a little bit further, just like you on the football field, where you're like, wow, I can slow down this field. I'm going to try some stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, why isn't this being taught on a larger scale? You know, I, that's that's what I want to know. I, you know, as we discussed before the before we started our chat here, I, I began med meditating about uh, about 18 months ago or so. And it's, uh, as you know, it's been life changing for me and it, it's just so much benefit to it. I mean, you've been doing it for over 30 years. It's been life changing for you. Why, in your opinion, haven't we come to a place in this world where people, more and more people are talking about this? How come it isn't being taught in school, public school? Well, I guess I shouldn't expect them to teach it, but um, you know, what, what is it? Why, why is that in, 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 your, in your thoughts? In fact, mindfulness, right, is becoming more uh, prevalent so that um, we are able to use in our Western lives these tools, which essentially come from the East, both meditation and mindfulness. With, it's not taught in school, but there's a lot of access to them. Using mindfulness and meditation in order to change our experience of time, that is a little new. And I think that the one reason why that might be the case is that it's so mysterious as, as I've been told by physicists who are, who are also studying time, time is the biggest problem in science today, besides mm. God, the universe, and what is life, right? And so people aren't going to want to tackle that subject you know, um, without a lot of research or experience. Or for me, it was just so obvious that it was something I wanted to share with the world, this ability to slow down time in our minds, that I really couldn't wait any longer. And I decided mm. to go ahead and tackle it anyway. Well, hey, I thank you so much for for uh, for the book that you, you have coming out on the 26th here. I want to ask you about chapter eight, trauma, reverse the past. I think mm -hmm. that this chapter is uh, essential. Um, so many people deal with trauma, especially considering what has been going on in the world over the last 18 to 20 months. Right. And then you have people that have dealt with intergenerational trauma as well, where things, you know, stem from their childhood and from their parents' childhood. And, you know, um, tell me about chapter eight. Well, if we could use this theory of uh, how we show up in our lives in order to impact physical reality, right? There's also a, um, a study in physics which talks about the present can influence the past. So in the book, I go into a, a branch of science, which we've heard about, I'm sure, quantum mechanics, quantum physics. And a lot of what I talk about relates quantum physics theories to how we are in our everyday lives. So in quantum physics, it states that there are aspects of physics where the present can influence the past and the future can influence the present. Now, if that's true for matter, why wouldn't it be true for us in our lives? So imagine you've had an awful trauma, you know, maybe not a trauma, which is so necessary that you would need medical medical care or psychological care, but something that bothers you, a terrible fight, or even something worse that might have happened to you. What the book supposes and delves into is how we show up in our minds, the psychology of how we meet each moment actually impacts the moment as it unfolds. That's why it's Ooh. about time. So imagine you're changing how you're showing up for that memory for yourself 
or if it involves a person for the next time you must see that person or if it involves an experience maybe you had a terrible fall maybe you were in an elevator or a plane and the next time you show up in that situation how we are in our minds actually affects our physical experience of it so what i take readers through in the book is we have an experience and we and this is a, a guided meditation that's in the book and also on the website where we get into a state of flow we get into a state of gateway we are in a, a state where we are very um very able to be suggestible by ourselves not by another and mm. to create a uh, a brainwave state which is quite conducive to both meditation and i think to actually shaping reality in some sense hmm. we live the experience up until the moment when the experience occurs and then stop ourselves to stop and instead of the elevator cable breaking and you falling instead of the car crash instead of being harmed by another right we change it in our minds change that and live an experience as though it were changed now i get a lot of questions which are well isn't that sort of lying to yourself about the past that happened and the answer is no the facts are the facts with that said how we're showing up in the next moment matters if we've changed how we feel about the past how we will show up in the future is now different and this is used clinically with substances like mdma which is used yes. for trauma trauma right. treatment right for mm -hmm. someone and why does it work for a lot of reasons but one of the reasons it's believed in that is people become a third party observer of the trauma rather than feeling the emotion of the trauma because the emotion has been separated from the event there are ways we can do that for ourselves using our own meditations where we go back and we change the past we reverse the past in order to show up differently in the future Wow. And in some sense, will it change physical reality? Who knows? In quantum physics, it does, right? But mm -hmm. for our lives, how we show up and meet each moment is definitely a part of reality. And if we can change that and make it the best it can be, then maybe we can go on and begin to heal ourselves. That's what that chapter is about. Wow. You, you mentioned shaping reality. You know, when, when you say that, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, manifestation. Uh, being able to manifest our own realities. And I know I know one time I, I spoke with the counselor and uh, the counselor uh, told me, because I, I, I've dealt with trauma, intergenerational trauma. My father, uh, he, he was Marine, he was alcoholic. He had some issues some, that he had from his father, from his mother, and, and even from being in the Marines in the 50s as an African-American man, right? And uh, he carried a lot of anger. A lot of anger and unfortunately that anger came out on my brother and i as well as my mom mm -hmm. you know um oh, i just lost my train of thought where was i going right there manifestation. But, yeah just manifestation so yeah i had a, i had a counselor tell me one time and and please tell me if this kind of aligns with what you just said they said when when those when you think about your father and those feelings come up of fear or whatever whatever they may be that you have to talk to that child and tell that child you know what, I'm here for you, it's okay. What you're going through is just an experience. It doesn't uh, determine who you are. You got this. Is, is that kind of on the same lines as what you're saying? It is, and that's wonderful advice. Here's a, here's a twist on that, which takes it even further. And that is, imagine you're remembering something like that and you, and you close your eyes and do the type of imagery, which is in the book, where you're imagining the situation which is happening, where you're being harmed in some way. Imagine showing up for your child self as your now adult self and protecting oh, yourself. Wow. Wow. Yes. That yes. really takes it to another level because what you are doing is you're reintegrating your two selves, the child that was harmed and helpless and the current adult who is not helpless and is wise coming to your own aid in order to, in order to help you through a trauma mm -hmm. so that you're changing how you feel about it. I think it, it goes again, and who knows about past lives and other lives and other dimensions, and but clearly it all feeds into who we are today. This simple exercise of showing up for ourselves as our adult self, going back to our childhood trauma, can be a very powerful way of doing that. Mm, very good, very good. And a few minutes ago, you you talked about how 
the past affects the future, the future affects the past. Would is is it fair to say that the past, present, and future are all happening simultaneously? And that is, is certainly a theory in it's a theory uh, in spirituality, and it's also a theory in science. So uh, here's some questions which are really mind blowing. Here's and these are all valid theories of science. There's a theory that we live in a block universe. The block universe is times are like blocks that you're looking down upon and every moment is a block and you can go from one to another and they all exist in the same time in the same moment everything exists all at once that's it right mm -hmm. there's another another theory where you could you could time travel let's say that you could go back but if you time traveled and let's say you killed a relative which is a terrible example but it's the one that's used would you still be here today is there some way is there mm -hmm. some aspect of science of time that protects the chronology so there's only one timeline or does every moment birth an additional universe imagine that every wow. moment that every everyone Jeez. and everything is doing anything there's another universe birthed out of it and we're all multiple timelines and multiple universes going forward an infinite number of them these are all valid scientific theories right the spiritual one i actually subscribe to the block universe that okay. everything exists all at once and one of my favorite theories is called quantum loop gravity, which sounds like a very complex name, but it describes that. It describes a, a universe which is almost like a, a soup in which, um, in which everything exists all at once and we move from one to, one to another, but there's no progression of time, which suggests that time travel is possible, which has been suggested by scientists for many yeah. years. Even Einstein th said that time is an illusion. Yeah. And relativity and time travel come out of Einstein's work in terms of the, the wormhole, the Einstein-Rosen bridge. Yeah. So who knows? The real question is, we know that these things exist. We know that there's a world beyond what we can see and control. We know it's the quantum realm, and we just can't see it or control it yet. Yeah. Maybe everything we're talking about is actually that. And one day we will be able to. Well, I certainly hope so. It, it seems that there's been in a... Uh an awakening, uh, a rise in consciousness over the last couple of years here. And I don't know, maybe, just maybe if if we have enough people to uh, to get on board or, or to experience that. And I don't think, I don't know, I don't know if it's something that you purposely do or something that you're just called or pulled in to do by the universe. But uh, maybe just maybe we can get to that point where uh, we'll, we'll learn more and, and we'll uh, open ourselves up to to greater greater dimensions, you know, and greater experiences. What are your thoughts on dreams? Oh, I think dreams are a wonderful window into our lives and the unfolding of our lives. Mm -hmm. So what I do is, and, and I've actually studied dream reading, as you mentioned in the biography. And so Dr. Jerry Epstein was a dream teacher as well as a spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. And so a way to look at dreams is the first couple of hours we go to sleep in Buddhism, it would be called the dreams of karma. And that is we're working out our daily life. Your boss has the face of a wolf and you're, he's chasing you around or she. And, you know, and you're working out things from your day and you don't have this and you don't have that. But by about three or three and a half hours into it, that time of night, which in, in Kabbalah is called the time of the prophets. And also in India is a very special time, maybe around 3 a.m. You can have dreams of another sort. In Buddhism, it's called dreams of the void or uh, dream, prophetic dreams, dreams which show the unfoldment of your own life to you. And in fact, another spiritual teacher who was Dr. Jerry Epstein's teacher in Jerusalem, Colette would say, if you write down your dreams for a period of months, you know, religiously, if you will, and you have a little notebook by your book, by your side, and you make a note of the dream, you can actually learn about the unfoldment of your life for the next many years. And I've been doing this for decades. I have a little book wow. by my bedside with a pen. You don't need to write down the whole dream. And whatever you do, if it's the middle of the night, do not turn on the lights because you've just interrupted your brainwave state, which is so precious oh. in the middle of the okay. night. Right, right? right? You want to stay in a brainwave state akin to, akin to gateway, akin to meditation mm -hmm. in these dreams. But if you can remember one little thing about your dream and then in the next morning, write it down and continue to do that. I believe whatever it is about ourselves, our higher selves, you know, that 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 which is greater than us in some sense will begin to remember your dreams more, more thoroughly, more religiously. There's also mm. a trick in that you can take 50 milligrams of vitamin B6 before <laughs> you go to sleep. 
Uh, and and that helps with vivid dreams. And of course, okay. check with your doctor first. Right. You don't right. want to be taking substances. With that said, it's readily available. It's one of the B vitamins. Mm-hmm. And it can help with the lucidity of dreams. It can help with the vividness of dreams. And it can also help with remembering dreams. Mm. You know, I wanted to ask you about that in regards to substances, right? Or, or using uh, natural substances as a as a tool to uh, to maybe go to different uh realms or, or, or dimensions um are you a, are you a fan of that I, and you mentioned mdma recently is being yeah. used clinically and I, I know that uh mushrooms as well are, as well are being used clinically in in, in uh microdoses that are helping mm-hmm. people with anxiety and depression and such i personally had a uh, experience back in april where i went on a spiritual retreat uh three day uh, three night ayahuasca ceremony which was phew, life-changing for me. Um, and, and as I always tell everyone, the best way for me to describe it is I literally walked with a God for three nights in the desert in Tucson. Oh it goodness. was phenomenal. Special. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on tools. And before you answer, I personally, I think they're okay. I think they can help people, but I also think that people shouldn't get to a point where they're dependent on them. Right, where they depend on right. using maybe DMT, ayahuasca, or whatever it may be to to have a uh, spiritual experience. Well, spiritual experiences come from us, and as you point out, Justin, uh, tools can be useful. There are many useful tools. Ayahuasca, you know, of course, DMT is being used, and and people have experienced it. What I would say is the most important thing about any experience is to have an intention. Mm-hmm. You know, have an intention. And so to have to choose your intention ahead of time to do something recreationally and use a drug to do it, I would think may, may not have great results, you know, and it may, it may actually do more harm than good. But if you are in, if you are working with people who know what they're doing, such as the clinical use of MDMA, for example, for trauma, or if you're, you're working with a spiritual teacher who uses any of these substances and you have an intention, and the intention is, you know, something about your life where you want to expand or explore or move beyond or, or heal a trauma, I think they can be very useful. And in particular with dreams, one that I have heard about and that has been recommended and people are using and there's clinical research on is galantamine for, for vivid and lucid dreams. And so it is, yeah, it's a, it's a substance that people are using. It is, it's a natural, it's a, it's a natural pharmacological substance. People are using it for lucid dreams and for, uh, for dream work experiences at night. And there, there's more and more research about that. So uh, listeners might want to uh, research that for their own use. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, I, I've been listening to, uh, Tom Campbell for for a bit now. And uh, one thing I heard him say is that we are pieces of a larger conscious system. Mm. And um, beautiful. Yes, yes. And, and, and we are just these these pieces of a larger con- conscious system. What are your thoughts? Why? Why? And, and I don't know, this is maybe kind of going going in a different direction a bit here. Right. But um, what is it in your, your, your opinion? What is our purpose here, Lisa? What is our purpose here? Hmm. I once ha- I once said to myself or heard someone say or picked out from somewhere, we are each a glyph of God. Hmm. Imagine we're a chip of God. Imagine we are and all together is what we think of as the universe and God and creation. Imagine we're all that. Hmm. If that's true, then our purpose is to learn and grow, right? Hmm. And in that learning and growing, I would say, and I use the word goodness, right? It's different than good. Good and bad is a, is a dichotomy, right? Goodness is a feeling of expansiveness. And I think that the purpose really always involves a move towards goodness and in it, you know, a move towards greater unity, a move, a move towards greater collective health as all the little chips, all the little glyphs of what we think of as God live our lives and come together and create together. That's what I would hope the answer is. Now, do you believe God or the universe or whatever people want to want to call the I, 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 I say the father? Uh, do you believe that the father God is based in love? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I would say some of these experiences I've had, some of which I chronicle in the book, it'd be very hard to have them from a place of hate. 
or fear. Yeah. As often has said, you know, hate is not the opposite of love. You know, fear is. So in a state of fear, our brains immediately change. Everything speeds up. Our bodies speed up. Our brains speed up. Things move through the brain. They go go from the back of the brain to the front of the brain. That is not a fun place to be. Mm -hmm. the, The expansive experiences that I think really define humans going into our next incarnation, our next aspect of humanity, whatever that is, are com- coming from a place of not fear and not fear is love. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to talk about chapter 14, love harness metaphysical gravity. <laughs> Think about that, right? What if love and gravity are the same thing? I wasn't the first to come up with that. Scientists have thought that Einstein thought that. What if that's true? What if the physical it. property of gravity is the same as our feeling of love? Wow. Huh. Oh. Well, I was right. That that means the earth loves us and the universe, you know, the solar system loves the earth and the moon loves the earth and the, you know, the galaxy loves the solar system because it's all based in that. Wouldn't that be something? And, you know, after all, in my opinion, we all are one. In fact, night two, that was my lesson during my uh, ayahuasca experience, right, is that we all are one. Uh, God showed me so many examples of this and proved it to me time and time again. And then once uh, uh, the sun came up and we were over because we we would arrive at the at the at the site at about 7 p.m. And we wouldn't leave till about seven, eight o'clock the next morning. And I tell you what, the next morning when I would I would go to my, my truck and I, j- I just had to sit there for a few minutes before I, I headed back to the hotel. And I just remember sitting in my truck and, you know, the father just saying, see, this is what it is. We're one. We're all connected. I was just so so uh just immersed in in what he was saying and, and just vibrating at such a high level i literally started rubbing my my truck and just saying thank you for <laughs> for being dependable thank you it's just like i don't know <laughs> they sound kind of kind of silly to some but that was my experience that was my reality right well and i think it's a very natural reality and actually i think it would be a brainwave state which could be a gamma brainwave state which, you know, mm. which very little is known about, but these gamma brainwave states, these very high frequency brainwave states are associated with the unity experience, which is what you describe. So Justin, would we have time for a quick exercise? Because I Please, think we might be able course. to do something fun. Yes, yeah, All right, so here's the, the preamble is, do not do this while driving. If you're driving, do not attempt this. You can listen at home. For those <laughs> of you who are not driving, we're gonna go into a state which I call focused perception. And then we're going to look for an experience just like Justin's uh, described, but without without the need for any tools other than our own minds. Mm. So sitting quietly, let's sit quietly, everyone, and we can close our eyes, closing our eyes, you know, and that actually trigger begins to trigger a brainwave state, chemicals in the brain, right? So moving to melatonin from serotonin, we're moving into a brainwave state, and now we can use breathing. And as Justin described, mindfulness and meditation often have to do with breathing. A good trick that anyone can use is take a regular inhalation through your nose and a long, slow exhalation out through your mouth. Once again, an inhalation in through your nose and a long, slow exhalation out through your mouth, twice as long. You're triggering a brainwave state of the parasympathetic nervous system to relax in through your nose a long, slow exhalation out through your mouth. And now with the next inhalation, in your mind's eye, see the number three appear in your mind's eye in whatever way is perfect for you, comfortable for you. You may not think that you can visualize, but really everyone can have daydreams and imagine. In through your nose and exhaling out through your mouth, see the number three dissolve into the number two in your mind's eye. Again, in through your nose and a long, slow exhalation, twice as long out through your mouth. The number two dissolves into the number one. In through your nose, out through your mouth, twice as long exhalation. The number one dissolves into the number zero. You're now in the time of no time, as was said by my teacher, Dr. Jerry Epstein. The now, the moment, we're in a brainwave state, which probably is theta brainwaves for sure. We're not in the busyness of our life. We're somewhere else. In this brainwave state, we can do a lot of things, but let's have some fun. Let's try to recreate what Justin experienced. 
So we're sitting in this brainwave state. We're very relaxed. And now in this moment, I want you to suddenly open your eyes and hear my words and say this to yourself. Everything is me. Think about it. Everything is me. Everything is me. You are the table. You are the chair. You are the that microphone. Wow. Everything <laughs> is you. Yeah. Everything. Hold this thought. I know you're, all of our rational thoughts are fighting it. That's not true. Hold the thought. Everything is me. Hold that thought. What you're doing is you're triggering a sense of unity. If everything is you, then there is no other. There is one singleness, the singularity. Everything is me. And this has been experienced by people very famously. Jill Bolte uh, had this experience in her shower, and she wrote about it in her neuroscience book, right? Yeah. Flash of insight. Having this experience, we can do, you can do this exercise really anytime, especially when you think that you need to connect with your surroundings. If everything is you, then nothing's wrong. In, uh, in Hebrew, the word for peace actually means nothing broken, nothing lost, nothing missing. If everything is you, there's nothing broken, nothing lost, and nothing missing. It's all perfect for what it is. Oh, yes. I could not agree more, Lisa. I could not agree more. And, and that is something that I guess came to me <clears throat> sometime earlier this year, probably within the last four to five months where uh, during meditation, uh, I was I was told I was given a message. And what I was told is that, uh, you know, we, we, we often talk about um, challenges in life, hard times in life. And I, I learned I come to realize come to learn that. Yeah, sometimes things are challenges, but they're beneficial. They, they it's a not only is there a reason that we go through these hard times or these challenges or these traumas, but we're supposed to benefit from them, you know? Um, therefore, that allowed me to change my view regarding these quote unquote bad things that I've experienced or other people have experienced. And I think that it kind of circles back to what you spoke on early on in our conversation in regards to taking control of those thoughts, right? That's right. If that makes sense. <laughs> it, it does make sense. So with respect, and this book focuses on time for a reason, and that is manifestation, of course, has been written about, and we would love to have that happen. But I think the easiest thing we can do if we're going to control physical reality is to affect time. Also, time controls our life the most, and we know the least about it. We know nothing about time other than we perceive that it marches forward. So this book was written before and during and then moving out of the pandemic. Before the pandemic, being busy was a badge of honor. If minutes were out dollars in a day, you wouldn't waste even one, right? Everybody was so busy and we talked about how busy we are. Then the pandemic hit. What happened? We lost our routines. We lost our schedules. We lost our loved ones. We were disoriented. We were unattached. We were out there and wondering. So people today feel are feeling stressed out, burned out, bummed out, overwhelmed, and hopeless. Mm -hmm. I think one reason is that we have lost our relationship for, of time to time. And also we project that we fear we will run out of time to do the things we want to do. This triggers a state of panic, fight or flight. It's the fear that we have in our brains. It's the opposite of love. Well, mm -hmm. here's how you can get out of that state. You can harness things like the exercises in the book, the unity exercise we just did, focused perception, calm ourselves down, to, to, to use as an antidote for these feelings of panic that we do not have enough time. That is an illusion. Time is an illusion. Therefore, not having enough time is an illusion. Mm -hmm. If we can apply ourselves, if we can convince ourselves using the physics that's in the book, which is state-of-the-art, cutting-edge physics to explain why many of these things may be true. And the truth is no one understands what time is, just like no one understands what quantum mechanics is, as was famously said by Richard Feynman, one of the famous quantum scientists of our history. Mm. So, But if we can get ourselves to a place where we're thinking differently, as you said, looking at the things that happen to us in a new way 
then we ourselves can choose to lead lives that are purposeful, lives of meaning and fulfillment, right? Lives that are our best possible lives. And what we need to do is we need to apply ourselves and use these exercises or exercises that we have at our disposable, our disposal to change the way we show up in every moment. Just like you now show up to things that might be adversities and might you might have thought in the past, oh, that's bad and that happened and I'm, you know, I'm 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 upset that that happened and think to yourself, no, that was an opportunity to grow. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so when you feel stressed out, bummed out, burned out and overwhelmed, that's an opportunity. As I say in the book, when you master time, you master yourself. Take your life back. Don't wow. get back on that treadmill. Change your relationship to time to live a life that's purposeful and meaningful and full of joy. Mm -hmm. We can all do that. Yes, we can. Well said. I like that a lot. You are, you are obviously very grounded. You know, I, I just I, I sense that. I feel that. I hear that from you. Um, and and you know, obviously the meditations, uh, you know, help with that. How do you keep going day in and day out, staying disciplined? to to doing what's necessary to to stay in the state of grounding that you're in and i ask because i struggle with that as you know i meditate uh, but sometimes like you know for the first well i get you know i started last year but i'd say probably right around may june i've been having these issues getting up off my keister going into my sacred place and meditating it's like you know i i want to but I, for whatever reason, I don't, I, I don't know. And I'm real big on energies. I'm, I'm real big on, you know, the spiritual world, et cetera. I, I believe in, in the light and the dark. Could, could it possibly be some type of dark force that is, you know, um, prohibiting me or I'm allowing prohibit, to prohibit me from doing what's necessary in regards to, to, to going in my sacred place, my closet and, and, and doing my meditations, doing my prayers, working with my crystals, you know, doing my incense, my sage and all that. How, how do you, how do you do it? What's, what's, what's the trick? What's the key to being consistent with that? Well, it, uh, meditation teachers and spiritual teachers would say that that is very, very common mm. to be meditating and to have a practice for a while and then to take two steps forward and one step back. In fact, it's healthy. Really? Okay. Because, you know, doubt, when we overcome doubt, we're even more, more certain of ourselves. That's what I would say, number one. It's very common to go through these these phases, right? Of, let's say, light and dark. When we know one thing, we only know one thing because it's opposite. But the second thing I would say is, and in the book, there are, we can give ourselves little treats. So I meditate twice a day, and but I also use my own practices to give myself a treat. Here's a treat. And that is a meditation where I take myself into a state of focused perception, as I talk about in the book, and I use it to envision something that I would really like to happen for myself, that I would love to be. And I and not only that, I take it to the next level. I think about how it would benefit everyone involved. Mm. So I'm living this at the end of my meditation. I'm living a guided meditation of myself where I'm experiencing something that I would really like to have happen, like the new job, the check comes, the new house, the love interest, the relationship. Think about that. And then I do a twist, which I lead people through in the book. And there's a guided meditation for this, where I give myself a treat. And the treat is I say to myself, it's already happened yet. It's done. Oh, it's I like that. Yeah. Nothing more to do. And immediately what I get, it's like getting the cherry on top of the sundae. It's like getting the chocolate. It's like uh -huh. getting the treat for our meditation. I'm living an experience. It's something I would really like to have happen for myself has happened already. Yeah. Happens is my entire being looks forward to it. First of all, I've changed how I show up in the next moment because now the check and the car and the person and the love and all of this in my mind, to some extent, has already happened yet. So I'm different, number one. <laughs> number two, Justin, when I go into my, my meditation, I do this every time. So I have a little treat in my meditation, right? So instead of just doing my regular meditation, at the end of the meditation, I bring myself through one of the guided meditations that's in my book, where I get to live the experience of something I want to have happen already happening. And mm -hmm. it's really fulfilling. It is so calming. 
and, and restorative and hopeful. That's the second thing. And the third thing is, in all of my years and decades of teaching and writing and working with this material, all I know are that the things that I want to have happen haven't happened yet. Mm. Think about that. That is all we know as humans. Right. The next moment the check could come, the next moment the new job, the next moment the person shows up who you love forever. All of these things, all we know is that we're going through these experiences and what we want to have happened hasn't happened yet. If mm. we hold that in our hearts and return to that as a knowingness, then we'll always have the ability to pick ourselves up and get back on that pillow and do our meditations and have a little Sunday treat every now and there then. There you go. A little chocolate there. Right, right. Meditation where we can take ourselves through a guided meditation that the things we want to have happen have already happened. Uh-huh. Because if we do that, how we show up in the next moment will be different. And mm. as the book talks about, that may have an impact on physical reality. And we don't even know how, how important that impact is. But it's proven in science that it's real. And in our human experience, it's real. So why don't we just practice doing it for ourselves with intention? Yes. And teaching others how to do it as well, which is what you're doing. You know, paying it for it. That's awesome. So I'm looking at chapter 17 here, Lisa, and they suggested they suggested daily practice for transcending time. You have number one morning practice we have throughout the day in case of an emergency. That that should be interesting. And then, of course, evening practice. Let's take a close look at this number three in case of an emergency. When you're running late for an important meeting, stretch time. When you need to complete an urgent task, receive insight when you need it. So. This let's, just kind of let's pick one of these. Let's okay. say that um, let's say you have a really big project that, you know, you have to get done and you have just been booked all day until 445 and it's due tomorrow and you have mm-hmm. a dinner appointment at six and you're thinking to yourself, I just can't really do this. But you know it in advance. You could sit yourself down. You could move yourself into a state of focused perception, as we just did with breathing and with counting down. And then here's the trick see the project already done mm-hmm. that's the guided man you could do this in the bathroom the closet at your desk a quiet place in your car a quiet place is best what you're doing is you're changing how you show up for beginning the project you're changing your brainwave state from one of a beta brainwave state which is probably frenetic stressed out bummed out worried and overwhelmed into a theta brainwave state which is meditative which is consciousness. You could even move into other brainwave states, higher brainwave states using these practices so that when you sit down and you begin to work on that project, having done the exercise that it's already done, you're going to be different. I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. I use this all the time. Wow. Okay. So in in case of emergency, see your life in advance. See your life in advance. Right. You can experience it. But like Forrest Gump said, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Or you could live your life in advance as a movie so that when you show up for it, you're Julia Roberts. Right. You're the hero. You're doing the great thing. You're saving people. You're wonderful. It's all working out. And even when it doesn't, you're still different. You have Mm. that center, that centeredness, the groundedness, as you mentioned that will carry you through really any experience. Yes, 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 yes. You know, you mentioned that that famous line from the Forrest Gump movie. It made me think about um, the Mandela effect, right? Because a lot of people believe that line is different. What are your thoughts on the Mandela effect? Do you think that's real? Do you just, or, or if it's just something different? Well, and so what 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 aspect of the Mandela effect are you referring to? In regards to if it's if it's really a quote unquote thing, if if it's something where maybe timelines have collided or, or merged, uh, you know, uh, just is it is it a real well, thing to you? It is, well, so again, back what the book talks about is it talks about science and the science mm-hmm. of time and the many theories of time. And so, are there can there timelines that can there be timelines that merge? Absolutely. Right? Okay. Can we merge our own timelines with others? Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that time. That time. If we're let's say that we're spawning a new universe with every moment, what about if those universes are intersecting, just like the Mandela effect? Mm. What if they're weaving in and out, right, in some mm-hmm. sort of fabric, and we're going back and forth? 
but there always is some movement and the movement is change. As I, as I talk about in the beginning part of the book, why does time exist? The answer is time exists because change happens. No change, no time, right? Mm -hmm. If we weren't moving around, if matter were not moving around, if nothing were changing, there would be no time. So we're spawning these timelines, right? They're moving forward. In some, in some theories of science, there's an infinite number of timelines. What if they all weave into one another and we go back and forth? Wow. That would be an amazing version, right? And, all, <laughs> and, and really all there is is change. And as we talked about, a movement toward greater love, a movement of growth, and a movement toward unity. Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about how we cannot... Let me see, how can we make time not our enemy? What's what's that about? Is it just kind of along the same lines of what you've been discussing? Yeah. Okay. So so imagine this. Imagine you start your day. And so it, I, I do have a practice, which is a meditative practice. And that is in the very early hours of the morning, around 3 a.m., I do the meditative practice that I described, where I live a wonderful experience as though it's already happened. All of them. This conversation was one of them at 3 o'clock in the morning this morning. But it could be something mundane. It could be that I, I get to an appointment on time. It could be profound. It could be change in the world. Anyway, I live these experiences in, in my three o'clock meditation, and then I just fall back to sleep. Before I get up in the morning, I do a meditation, which is I live my entire day in advance entirely. I go from the minute I open my eyes all through my day that I know about. And I am sailing through my day. It is wonderful. Everything happens. The conversation is wonderful. I love the word spectacular. Spectacularly yes. positive, spectacularly good, spectacularly wonderful. I use that a lot as I live through my day in advance. And then I begin to live my day. And as I live my day, if I have a little experience that I need to reverse, let's say a conversation goes badly. Let's say I have a flat tire. Let's say that something happens and I miss an appointment. I sit myself down and I do the experience, the, the exercise that we talked about, where we change it, change the ending, change what just happened. Why? I don't want to carry that charge through the rest of my day. Mm -hmm. right? right. I want to negate that charge so that when I go forward, I'm going to go back into my movie of my day where things mm -hmm. are going wonderfully. And I live my entire day through that, using these exercises throughout the day. And then here's one, which is it's a little taxing because sometimes I fall asleep. At the end of your day, before you're asleep, you live your life backwards in time, go all the way backwards through your entire day to the moment you opened your eyes. Now you've done this a couple of times already today, right? So you're really rooted in, in making time your friend and not your enemy. And then you relive your life and you correct anything that happened that you didn't like. Wow. You correct all the things that happen as you go to sleep. And so then we get into, remember we talked about dreams and the dreams of karma, yes. which are reworking your day. I've just fixed my day, so I don't need any dreams of karma, right? Mm. I fixed my day. I fixed all the little things that didn't go perfectly before I closed my eyes and fell asleep. And if you fall asleep, that's okay. And then you're asleep. And then I think that your higher self takes over. There's certainly an aspect to us which is greater than our personality, greater than our traumas and fears and habits and all the other needs that we have in our bodies. There's a greaterness to that. Yeah. That greater self, that higher self takes over and says, oh, we had a perfect day. Let's have another perfect day. And then oh. at three o'clock in the morning, I start all over again. Wow. And, I've, and I live the wonderful experiences again, both mundane and profound, about six of them a night. Okay. And then I get up in my day and I dream my day in advance and I make corrections along the day and I get to the end of my day and I reverse everything that didn't work out and I live it again. And then I wake up the next day and I do the same thing, knowing yes. that the only thing I can say is that what I would love to have happen hasn't happened yet. Wow. <laughs> I love that. That is excellent. So you wake up at three, you do a meditation at 3 a.m. Is this yes. every, every morning at three? It is for decades. Wow. In fact, when I was living in Sedona, there was a joke among, among spiritual teachers. We're kind of all up at 3 a.m. Okay. And we were going to call each at 3 a.m. local time. And we never called each other, but we thought about it. And mm -hmm. so because it's a very, very good time. At the Monroe Institute, they talk about three to three and a half hours after you go to sleep is the time of the gateway. 
right? Mm -hmm. So you've been through your dreams of karma. That's the time if you're going to practice astral projection, which I talk about in the book. If you're going to practice other meditative exercises, it's an excellent time. Here are some tips though. Do not turn on the lights. Use a small flashlight if you need to, right? I don't even get out of bed, right? I may, I have a safe, I have a space where I can sit in a reclining position where I'm sitting up or I can sit and I can meditate in bed, but not getting out of the warmth of bed. If you fall asleep, it's okay, but it's a wonderful time to practice any of these exercises because what have you, what are you not subject to? The worries of the day. Right. That's distractions. All gone, right. Yeah. Distractions. Right. There's no distraction. There's no worry of the day. And if there is a higher self, if, if there's some aspect that is higher than our personalities, our needs, our desires, our habits, that's the time when that self is freely operating, mm. is freely helping us create, manifest, unfold our lives as we would truly love them to be. Ooh, man, I, I got a little something flow through my body when you said that. <laughs> that's powerful. That is powerful. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So when you wake up, how long do you meditate at three? About, what, 15, 20, 30 minutes? Well, or? so so I'm up at three and it's around three. And also I have a secret in that is I have animals. So I have Al the cat. Okay. And so Al the cat knows that I want to get up at three. So Al can wake me up. I get a paw on the eye, right? Okay. So it's something I never, I never set an alarm. It's a natural time. So really right. anytime between three and 5 a.m. And so I'll remember, and I keep a small recorder with me in bed, an MP3 player, not a telephone, mm. nothing that rings. And also okay. nothing that really emits EMF, right? Just a simple right, right. MP3. On right. it, you can put recordings. You can put wonderful okay. music. You could put recordings. There's a recording on the website, lisabroderick.com, that you could download and put on your MP3 player and listen to at 3 a.m., which will take you through these meditations, which are the ones that I do at 3 a.m. And I listen to them. And I listen to one and it takes me through the, the experience of something I would love to have happen. And then I might fall asleep and then I wake up again and I do it again if I remember. If not, it doesn't matter. And then sleep through and I get another good couple hours of sleep so that I wake up naturally. You know, 7, 8 o'clock on the weekends, 9 a.m. where I've had a time to meditate. Sometimes I'm, much, much, I'm up much longer at 3 a.m. and sometimes it's very brief. But it's always a very special time that I look forward to. Because it's the time when I can manifest dreams most easily, and I have the tools to do it. Very, very good. Um, I have a question for you, another question for you, Lisa. Um, you obviously believe in God, yes? Yes, I certainly believe that there is a, okay. an, ex, a, uh, an expansive, overarching um, sense of the universe, which is rooted in love, from which mm -hmm. we all emanate. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. I like now as a, as a child, did your family go to church or were you, you know, raised Catholic or any type of religion at all? Yeah. Yes. With that said, it was not, uh, it was not part of really of the fabric of the family. And okay. so it was the sixties and in the sixties, you know, there were a lot and it was Catholic. There were a lot of uh, concerns and, and disappointments with uh, people who had been raised Catholic with the Catholic church. <laughs> and so we were not really raised in that. With that said, there was also always a thread of spirituality and as you say love which flowed through our what what we do and how we treat each other i think about these words a lot how we treat each other mm -hmm. if we're all glyphs of god right imagine a room a world a, a you know a a, a a coffee house and we walk in and instead of everybody complaining about what happened and all the bad things that happened everybody was talking about all the wonderful things that they want to have happen and the things that they were dreaming about and their shared dreams and their visions, it'd be a very different world. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It's funny you say that. No coincidence. I literally had the same discussion with my wife over this past weekend. Literally. Oh my gosh. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll definitely wow. do that, right? Just move to the positive. And that's the spirituality that we can all have. Absolutely. Well, hey, Lisa, this has been fun. I have one last request for you. Yes. One thing that I have every guest do is just to leave our listeners, our audience with what I like to call a token of love, just words of wisdom that they can take with them on their journeys going forward. Hmm. So here's what I would say. Considering the amazing complexity of the universe, and the existence of things that are, we can see and feel matter and energy and time and and all of the things we know about science our existence goes way beyond what we can see mm -hmm. way beyond what science might describe 
into the realm of the spiritual that we talk about. And it's just part of a reality that's beyond what we can see yet. It suggests, as you've said, that there is a unity. There is a consciousness. There is something to which we all belong, and it's based in love. Mm-hmm. Beyond our everyday lives. And if we seek that and search that, then I think we can live lives of purpose and presence and meaning in our best possible lives. That's Beautiful. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So all the time in the world, October 26th. Yes, that's right. All right. And where can where can people get the book? Is it Amazon bookstores everywhere or all major booksellers? Great. Everywhere Great. online. Okay, and then you have a website, and can you tell people your website and if you have any social media where they can check you out? Sure. So Lisa Broderick and lisabroderick.com is the website. Lisa Broderick and Media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, all of the different usual sites where people can find information. Allthetimebook.com is also lisabroderick.com, where you can find guided meditations, download free chapters, learn more about the book, and uh, and pre-order the book if you, that's something that uh, that you'd like to do. Very good. Well, there you go. Good people all the time in the world by Lisa Broderick. I, uh, I'm probably close to halfway done. I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it. My goal is to finish it within the next few days here. And I'm going to then um, I'm going to give it to my mom for whatever reason. I, I feel like my mom needs to read this. Um, this this is great. This is great. I want to thank you so much for uh, taking time out your busy day to uh, be with us. This has been excellent. A really great a conversation full of truth and knowledge. And uh, just want to thank you one last time for, for being a guest here on the Hidden Gateway Podcast. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gateway Podcast, Hidden Gateway Podcast. Remember to uh, stay connected with us at thehiddengateway.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter and Instagram as well. Send us an email at support at thehiddengateway.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And that's going to conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning. Be love and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.